0: From a competition to a pleasure run, and all other the stops in between, we cover all here at Coon Hunting Media.
1: this is episode number two coon hunting media we are sitting here with the uh full media team and uh, due to some weather and situations we wasn't able to reach out and get some interviews so we are sitting here with uh everyone and this uh we want to start out by saying a big we are amazed on the uh amount of listeners and uh feedback we got off the first episode we were expecting maybe around a 100 and we are hit multi-thousand followers and listens so we'd like to uh Thank everyone for all that, and uh, I guess today we're going to start out with the uh, listener questions, because we got in with a bunch of listener questions, but first, uh, we can introduce uh, Johnny had a good idea, and uh, we we'll let him go ahead and go in and do it.
2: Well, I said uh, with this platform that we have, uh, a couple thousand people listening, that uh, we need to say something about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and uh, just way so people know that uh, what he's done for us things he does for us, all the blessings that he give us in our life. So uh, I come up with a little, like like a saying here that I've read, and it, if you listen to it, I think you'll you like it. It says, uh, God gave you a fingerprint that no one else has, so you can leave an imprint that no one else can. Us as Christians, as each and every one of us can reach and touch somebody that other, other people can't reach or touch. So uh, I think it's our responsibility to try to reach out and touch and try to help someone in our walks of life. Uh, the Bible verse that I got to go to with that says, I will praise thee, for for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and thy soul knoweth right well.
3: So this was an idea that Johnny, he brought to us this afternoon. And uh, to what Kyle just said, we were going to be happy with 50, 100 listens and think we'd really Got out there and done well, and then he's just consistently sent stuff over and over this week. And we're like, no way that that many people's listen to this thing. So, uh, I mean, we're 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 talking pushing three thousand views or listens. I say views every time, three thousand listens yeah. in a week. Flood our expectations in two weeks. out of the water. Not expected. so. Johnny was like, man, we got to do that. So we're like, you're the man. It's yours. So we uh, wouldn't be here without him. But the uh, the other idea that Johnny was talking about and Kyle was saying. We're going to, uh, since we will try to add that in, uh, probably won't have all of those as just a live insert. More than likely, we'll uh, sit down and, and let, uh, Kyle's dad's a preacher, and we, we'll get with our, our different preachers and so forth and let them just maybe do a two-minute segment or something and cut that in. A little inspirational series, but that's a good idea. So kudos to Johnny on yeah. that one.
1: Finally done something good. <laughs> Not
2: very often. Oh, and? That's true.
3: <laughs> what we said, it took us 30 minutes to start Because Stacy has spent two weeks working on his comedy routine And <laughs> we can't get this thing going <laughs> it's not But anyway, right? so tell us, uh, tell us Kyle what, uh, what we're going to kind of do Tell them. About yeah, your... so today
1: we're going to do an, uh, listener questions Because due to all of the uh, feedback we got on the first episode We are piled with listener questions So I guess today we're going to start out with them Before we get into the interview uh, episode and stuff so uh the number one question we had on all of them was competition hounds versus pleasure hounds so
3: so we we all thought we would uh, do a little discussion on that one tonight and we all sit down and kind of got our ideas and stuff and we thought we've we've not looked at our notes as far as each other so we'll we'll kind of go through that and we might banter it a little bit who knows
1: run some rabbit trails so
3: so who wants to start that yeah you're awful talkative over there, Stacy.
4: Come on. I'm good. Go ahead and start off. I'll try them in here. We don't chime know in.
3: what we don't know what they're doing on the other side of the table, but no, we, nobody we, does so <laughs> we have a video. <laughs> so
4: I'm trying to keep cracking jokes over here.
2: Crack 'em. I'd start cracking. I'd say it depends on what generation you talk to. All right, Johnny's getting no business. Let's as go. far as uh, competition or pleasure hounds, you know, uh, 20 years ago, guys liked to hear the race. They'd go out there, and, and I mean, and I'm not talking about just the coon dogs, I'm talking about uh, foxhounds too, they'd get out there, and they'd want to hear the race, they'd build fires, and hear the race all night long. Uh, that's kind of what I think about when I think about pleasure hunters. A lot of them like, really like to hear the race, uh, and it don't matter to them sometimes how fast the dog leaves, how much enthusiasm it's got uh, when it leaves, but whether it's in a pack or by itself, as long as it just goes off in there and gets struck, runs a good track, runs the track that it can, puts meat at the end of it, uh, that's what they're looking for. They're not looking for something that's going to blow out, throw uh, rocks in your face and get through the country. Uh, they, they're not there for that. They they, want, they actually truly want to hear the race uh, a lot of times. And then accuracy on top of that uh, would be one of the things I would think about uh, in a Pleasure dog. Now I'm not saying that you can't have a dog that's both, but I'll just tell you, uh, sometimes a dog that blows through the country is not really a pleasure to hunt all the time. Where we're at, Uh, now, uh, where it's flatter and places of that nature and and thicker coons, it wouldn't be that big a deal. But uh, a pleasure hunt around here, what I think was, they just go on do their what they're supposed to do. And uh, listen to the race, and hear a big ball mouth, or or and a look, good locating, and then come on a tree, and and then they can ease their way in. And.
1: Yeah, I mean, what I look at it like with pleasure hounds, I what I mainly think of in my mind is they take tracks as they come to them. They'll hit the first track and they'll grub it and they'll treat it. May not be fast at it, but they will put me at the end of the track at the end of, at the end of their tracks. When I look at pleasure hounds, like our competition style, we're looking to get treed quick whether they have to tree the first track to come to the third track or just bust till they find one they can tree because in a competition you you got a clock you you're wasting time if you're beating tracks
4: well on your pleasure end of it you know those guys back in the day their dolls fed their family It brought money in for the house the food that's how they paid their bills i mean they traded around fur hides they eat what's killed that is how they done it back then so they, they expected that dog to have something on that tree whether it be a coon or a possum or a rabbit they was looking to feed the family you've seen a rabbit climb a tree absolutely did they you would, really yes sir they'll climb a hall tree
3: they'll go up in one occasionally yes uh to what stacy just said i i was on the phone the other night with i'll call him an old timer uh won't mention names again because it's going to be somebody we'll sit down and do an interview with in the future and that's what he was talking about. Remembering his dad talking about sixty years ago, seventy years ago, uh, on the farm having a dog. And he said he would tell him son, uh, if the dog's going to stay here, it has to earn its keep. And they actually, you know, they depended on those dogs to help do some of those things. And and, and that was part of it. So, and I'm listening. Uh, I think we we as we made our different as we made our different notes, uh, you're you're touching on the exact same things uh, that I was thinking. But I, I think we let's go into some of that with questions uh, here's what I wrote down that competition versus pleasure dog and I'm going to do these in questions uh, can that can a dog be a pleasure dog and a competition dog my opinion is yes the same dog can be both uh, but it also can be totally different yeah. type of dogs too so really, some are it really some
1: depends are. on a man's preference it, on his style that he likes you know like us when we hunt our styles that's the style we like. So our competition dogs, if we strive for competitions.
3: That's more, of, or that's our pleasure for us to hunt because it's the style that we like. So some of the things I was wondering, you, see if you guys think these are requirements, or I, I put it as requirements or expectations of a competition hunter. Uh, I said they want a dog that blows out, no reverse, gets as many coons as possible, as quick as possible, and then I put in parentheses in my notes. Um, They'll do that at whatever the cost. They and when I say that, they might be sacrificing some of that tracking ability. Like you said, pleasure hunter goes out and that dog. They expect that dog to run that track, that, comp, that, that competition dog that we're, we're. Seems like everybody's chasing today. We would rather that dog bypass tracks that they could. They'd have to grub up with to go get one they can treat real fast. And uh, the other thing everybody in the competition world wants right now is a dead loner. Uh, you competition guys, they, they won't need that dead loner dog. Um, I I think that a, a lot of pleasure hunters would hate most of the after, attributes that we're sitting here saying we're striving for in a competition dog. Yeah, I agree.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, and i like to say that. Back to what you were talking about, meat dogs, hide dogs. Stacey said something about hide dogs and, and that nature. I was talking to a friend of mine a little while ago uh lives in Ohio, and he was talking about his grandpa was going to take a, a female that he had hunting. And uh, and he told him, he said, it's not your style, Grandpa. And he said, well, what do you mean? he said, well, she's just not your style. I'm telling you, you're not, not going to like her. And... Uh, and the old man took her the first time and cut her, and she was like 920, 950 yards across the section treed before the old man didn't even turn around and got back in his truck to go back to the other section. And he told him, he said, I'm going to have to hunt her down. She just got a little uh, too much fire. I'm going to have to hunt her down. And he took her 19 or 20 days in a row, and there was no fire put out. It was the same way each time, and she was throwing rocks in your face and getting through the country to get treed and uh, that didn't suit him. Of course, he was, a, he's an older gentleman. He, like you said, uh, want, a, lot of them, a lot of them want to hear the race. A lot of them want to take part in it. So want, and the reason why they want to do it, they want to know what their dog's doing. Uh, they, start, they hear them strike that race. They can tell you what that dog is doing at, at different intervals in that race. Um, a lot of times we hear two or three barks and bam, we're treading and that's it. Uh, we just know the end result. We don't Analyze the tracks like some of them older guys do. They want to actually sit down and analyze the track. It's a pleasure for them to analyze what that dog's doing each step of the way.
1: Yeah, like what you was talking about when she was like nine hundred feet to yards, and you're talking about just a few minutes. As far as I guess, more the old time old timer pleasure hunters, they didn't much care for that because they don't tell how many coons that dog has passed, especially in Ohio. But when you look at it from a competition hunter standpoint. That dog is 950 yards. trading in a couple of minutes, you've got to walk to that dog and score that dog. So what do you what are you wasting? Thirty minutes at least. You're chewing clock down. Mm-hmm. Less time for the mother dogs to treat. Even if they are treated, you got to go to you first
3: because you're treating yeah. first. I mean, the, like, I mean, like we've said over and over, com- competition, coon hunting's turned into a sport. It's a it's a game of chess. That part of yeah. that, and, and and they want that dog to do that. Um, and I was, I was thinking about that too. Uh, the things that I marked down on the, what those dogs would do, and I said the pleasure hunter a lot of times wouldn't like that dog. The comp hunters, uh, a lot of them, uh, they can sacrifice that because there's two big differences there in the mindset of a pleasure hunter for the most part and a competition hunter. Them comp hunters, they're, are, they're doing stuff to prep properties too. Uh, how many times have we went on a competition hunt and had to beat somebody on their own turf on their buckets? Our dog don't know where they're at. They're, they're they're prepping that area. They're getting them. We don't we, hunt bucket dogs. We don't. But, I mean, they do that. They've got yeah. them buckets in there. They pay money. They got leases. Uh, they'll they'll go places and get to know people around and have places uh, strategically to hunt all around the country. What you pleasure hunter usually doing? They hunt around the house in the general area. When we go pleasure hunting, well, we're crazy. We'll go off sometimes and go places. But your pleasure hunt around home with your buddies and so forth. And you're not, you know, you're not out there just uh, setting up properties and all that kind of stuff. So I think that makes a difference too, because they can afford to sacrifice some of them qualities in that dog, because they're going to have the place set up for them dogs to operate and shine. Yeah, I agree. And like a,
1: a lot of people okay. they say they want dogs to tree coons around them, which that's that's good too. But what I've just by analyzing, a lot of times even you got dogs treating them at two and three hundred yards, they take longer to tree them coons and that dog that busts in their nine hundred. And trees them in a blink. I mean, if you can get one to treat them around you in it's quick as popcorn, I mean, then them dogs are unbeatable. Mm-hmm. But it seems to me like just just by the cast I've been on, them dogs treat them close. The dogs that are deep, I, I mean, the word everybody uses now is bushwhacked one. But before the other dog around them can uh, mm-hmm. get one treated, car as far as cold trailing or laying one up.
2: Yeah. They do, they do. Uh, you can, you can shoot in there and and get them, uh, and that's part of it. Uh, but, but the dog that can, i and I was, uh, I've been on cast before, and uh, as far as this goes, uh, we had another, we had a dog and, and he was exceptional uh, for what he was, and uh, we shot him, we cut him one night, and the dog, all, all the dogs shot down a holler, and they, I mean, they would said make nine hundred yards. My dog barked red-handed one time, bam, struck, barked one more time. The next bark out of his mouth was a locate, and he was hooked. Well, the other dogs turned, heard him treed and come back to him. By the time they come back to him, they were shut out on a tree. They, I mean, he was doing struck and treed before they come in, so they, they couldn't get nothing. And uh, and that's one another aspect of it. Uh, you don't have to got one that goes deep, but they got to do, if they're going to do it, around you they got to do it quick quick yeah
1: i mean it's like i said a lot of the word little phrase i like to use live by the sword die by the sword mm-hmm. i mean how many competitions have we won take rip for instance tree comes coons in behind them a, a bunch i mean mm-hmm. we, we've won a lot of casts but training behind them but we've also lost a few casts with him trying to tree a coon
3: in behind them and a dog gets deep and trees mm-hmm. them a lot quicker i yeah. mean well, you I, choose your fate another thing i was thinking about was uh this difference in pleasure hunting people mindset and competition hunters uh what do you typically do pleasure hunting go with your buddies um how often do your buddies go hunt with you and want to leave a dog i mean you, everybody wants to take their dog yeah and uh the type of dogs that we're pushing for for the hunts don't tend to operate as well together in that scenario because they're blowing out getting going and that don't make for a really pleasurable hunt in the afternoon to a lot of to a lot of people, to a lot of yeah, people, to a lot of people. I mean, because you're chasing, like you said, we're going, we're cutting off this way 150 yards to this dog, and then we're going to go 900 yards this way to the other dog, and because uh, I was thinking about that a lot of the times, pleasure hunting, we want to go for just a little while after work or whatever through the week. We don't want to be out, you know, all night doing it. We want to run out triacoon maybe two, and get back to the house because you got to work the next morning.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, like you was talking about.
3: It goes back to like talking about pleasure to hunt.
1: It's where, what is your pleasure to hunt? Like your styles. I mean, like you're talking about going you know, with your buddies. If you got a buddy that strives for the same style of dog you you strive for, he likes to see your dog do right as far as deep and lonely. But when you got your buddies that are out there just to tree coons, they, they tend to hate you when your dog goes a mile
4: to <laughs> bushwhack one. Kind of where I end of it is we don't have a lot of places back to back we can drop at when you're going to walk 15 20 30 minutes we can cut a dog to hunt a piece of property it's hard to cut one dog and then come back and get another dog cut yeah. it so that's why you got to kind of uh, we have to plan up front where we're going to what we're going to hunt how it's going to work because you cut two dogs in there one's going to be a half mile to the left like i said half mile to the right who's going where you know and a lot of the other guys can't get around real good, so they go to one dog, then go back to the other dog.
2: Yeah, well, uh, go back to that, and I think a lot of the ways uh, pleasure hunters train dogs versus the way that the comp hunters train dogs is uh, they'll turn loose four or five at a time, and as long as one of them helps the other and get the, get the cone tree, then they're all happy. Uh, well, we want ours to go get struck, get treed by themselves and be by themselves most of the time. and uh, But that a ple- real pleasure hunter, they don't get into that. They, I mean, they'll turn three or four dogs loose, and this dog will strike it, that dog will run it, and then the other dog will tree it. And then they all kind of complement each other to get the job done. Yeah, that
1: gets into another thing. I could get a lot of questions from a lot of people. They say, um, how do you train your dogs? I'm like, well, they have a question on how do I train this for a, to get a dog to do that. First thing I ask them is, What's your goals with the dog? Do you want to go win a $25 hunt on the weekend? Do you want to just go pleasure hunt with your buddies? Or do you want to go cash $5,000 checks? Because the training aspect is totally different. It is. On how I'm training them. I mean, if you want to go just kill coons with your buddies, you can hunt them with the old dog. You know, get them going. Let them cover them. That's fine. Because mm. you're always hunting them with dogs.
4: And that's another thing with your buddies. You know, they all want to kill a coon. Yeah. How many times do we leash a dog and walk off a tree? Pet them up and go on.
1: So we're right through the recut. That's that's right another thing with, with pleasure hunters. How yeah. many pleasure hunters is recutting, 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 recutting? Yeah. No, they will make a
3: sleep. drop, knock a cone out, go to the truck. They're, they're ready to go to truck. the truck, and, and they do one more. You're going home for the
2: yeah. night. Go. It goes back to what they them been saying, uh, years ago, they fed their family with that the money off the fur. Nowadays, hides ain't worth nothing. I mean, what they, $2.50, $3? And actually, if you shoot them one time, if you're lucky. you don't let the dogs get a hold of them. And if they got to be a real a real good color and, and nearly a perfect hide, get $2 or $3 out of them. Back in them days, they was you know, $10, $11, 12 a hide. And that was significant money then. And they didn't care yeah, how like they 40, got that's 40 $50 that
3: dollars a coon now. They, they didn't when, care how they got it. When it was cane. worth a lot. $40, yeah. 50 was worth a lot more yeah. than it is oh, today. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know,
4: when I was 16, Dad would bring them home. I'd go sell them at Sparta down there for $8 a hide on the on the carcass. You know, to me, it was great money. That kill a coon, i go sell it. we get two or three of them frills up, and I'd go sell the whole coon down there.
1: it's still $8 now on they the, on bring the carcass, them. that paid for my <laughs> gas for the
2: night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, that was part of it. And uh, they didn't care how they got the coon as long as they got it. Uh, well, we strive for... We want ours to get everything by itself. That goes back to what I was talking about. Two or three dogs pack up and, and get the job accomplished. But well, he's just as happy doing that as he would be if both of them was treated with their own all over all mm-hmm. over the map.
3: Now, another thing that Kyle just mentioned a minute ago about, you know, tr- how do you train these dogs to do certain things and, and hunt that way, this is my, Jason's opinion. Uh, I think you boys agree with me, but you may totally disagree, a big step in that is nothing to do with the training. It's knowing the breeding behind the dogs. That's a big part. Yeah, I mean to me, uh, and it's we talk blue dogs at my house because that's what I I know what those different lines do. Except, it's, the same, it's except him, but it's it's the same with Walkers. It's the same with Red Bones, Black and Tans. Kind of know what what them what them what the expectations out of them line of dogs because they every one of them dogs are sought after by people for their certain traits. And when we make a cross and we know I kind of know what to expect out of them dogs hunting styles and so forth certain crosses are going to be more tending to be good pleasure dogs certain crosses are going to just tend to make more competition dogs but I mean you know when whatever whatever breed you're using and you choose to go and walk behind kind of know what the attributes of the individual dogs in that pedigree are known for
1: yeah and there's like like we was talking about the breeding. Well, just take a, mine and Johnny's dog Rip, for instance. His line of, behind his pedigree, they're independent dogs. from Naturally, they're independent. But you can turn that independence into a pack dog very, very easy. And actually, a lot easier than you can turn a pack dog into an independent dog. Absolutely. Because they're born and bred pack
3: dogs from the beginning. So, I mean.
4: That's the canine part of it. That's yeah. the canine part of it. That's and and, it. And,
3: and and on top of what you just mentioned there. You've got uh independence bred into them. You got pack bred into them, but then you've also got uh run and tree bred into them. You've got some dogs that they're born to run track and you gotta make them tree. You got some dogs that are just they come out ready to tree. They're treeing birds, they're treeing butterflies, they're doing everything. Those dogs have, have tree bred into them. Now dad's always said uh a running dog will test your Will test your uh, patience a whole lot more, but if you've got that patience and you get that running dog trained, then you've really got yeah. something. But uh, I like
1: one. Of them, just my my opinion on that is, uh, you was talking about them coming out treeing. From the dogs I've trained for the public and stuff, it's a lot easier
3: to take a little bit of that tree out than put the tree in them. 100%. It's a lot harder to put tree in. Yep, yeah. It is one hundred percent. Yep. Yeah. And Hudson's sitting over here not saying nothing. He don't have that patience. Hudson likes him uh you get them going then he'll hunt the hair off of them it's that, that the hard the, the hard work the hardest part on any of it is having the patience to do the starting part once they get started then the fun begins and that's where i let him take over
1: yeah you got you got to have well that's what comes to another listener question it says uh another one on the list was uh when do you draw the line on when or to give up on a dog when you're training a young dog where, where do y'all draw the line and
4: that's a hard question because i've had dogs not start two year old yeah. You know, is it, some of them just still puppies. And that, that goes into
1: another, like, a pleasure hunter or competition hunter. Yeah. So a pleasure yeah. hunter, they might be all right with the dog starting if you at four-year-old. But with us, by the time they get two, two and a half, if they ain't doing what we need them to do, they're going down the road because carrying, there's another one down the road we can go by.
4: If you're carrying two, three dogs in the woods as a pleasure hunter, it doesn't matter. Yeah. That dog's still there. It's seeing what it's seeing. Yeah. It doesn't matter to them. They're just, just another dog just, there. It's just another day for them. They yeah. just go in the woods. They enjoy their dogs. They're out there, but on the competition end of it, we're hunting them by ourselves. You hunt them by yourself; yep. they'll draw your patience. I've been there; I've seen it a lot.
3: And no, my patience t- drawed a lot.
4: <laughs> Very fairly, short sure fuse. they're not. <laughs> my my fuse about like a patients, firecracker. It's gone.
3: But I, I think, yeah,
1: yours is like the then firecracker packs. You know, when you unroll them,
3: you yeah. got that little bitty short white. Break fuse, that one piece yeah. off. Yeah, that's, that's Stacy's fuse. So I, I think we'll get back into that competition pleasure because it just keeps going back and forth together, but. To what you just said and what Stacey was talking about, I go back to it's knowing the dogs and i'm gonna use i'll use blood my i' the big thing bloodlines I'm gonna use my current puppy, he's not even puppy no more, but I'll use him as an example. I know the bloodlines <clears throat> I know what the dogs are historically known for doing in that, and I wanted to give up on him already he's bred out of this world he's got every reason to to make a stud dog they're known to be a little late starting and we talked about it a little bit earlier and, and and maybe something we'll air later about one of our trips you know he just wasn't doing nothing and we took that trip up to illinois hunting uh, and we tested him i turned him out he still acted like a puppy and i'm like you shouldn't be acting like a puppy so what what did we do johnny's like throw him in the box and we've we've stood him up and made him sit there listen to the dogs go get treed and Long about the end of the second night, Johnny would you know come down there and saying he's about to tear that box apart. And uh, then we turned him loose that next night. Well, we let the dogs get in there, and we turned him loose that next night, and he went seven, 800 yards by itself. Never done uh, that before. Never done that before. And I've still set him up, but we've took him out, and worked him on some drags and stuff just to see if he'd go run and trail and it's like he's about to start tripping that switch over. Um, if I didn't know the bloodlines, I'd have done been done. Long time ago, but I'm just holding out because I really think he's going to be a firecracker, real soon.
1: But and that goes another thing with the late starters. Everybody says that the late starters don't get burned out. There's a whole other side to that because my opinion on dogs getting burned out. When you get a six month old puppy blowing the woods down, as a handler and owner, it is hard not to burn that dog out because you're fired up. You're, I mean, they're going on their training cones left and right. Mm-hmm. If you hunt them dogs five, six nights a week, there's not very many of them out there that can take that without getting you burned You have out. to know how
4: to limit that dog. Yeah. You do. How much time it gets in the woods a night. You know, a drop, go home. Yeah, yeah. That, that dog you put up. Don't burn a young dog out. And another thing, like
1: he was talking about, that pup just going out there and uh, not doing nothing. another thing is uh, sometimes it is better for that dog just to stay in the kennel until he gets a little age on him. Because mm-hmm. you're creating bad habits. Mm-hmm i agree you know just in hanging around opinion, i you, agree you know hanging around they're getting used to being hung around and then all of a sudden they're two year old and they're still wanting to hang around which from what i've seen you could put them in the kennel for a couple of months bring them back out they're a totally different
3: dog mm-hmm. but like stacy he hit it uh it's not the fact of that that early starting pup taking it's not a problem it's it's knowing how to yeah, limit, limit that it. and i'll go back to when we were younger uh and had a whole lot more driving and johnny and i hunted every night you know we i just out of out of high school i was in college and johnny had just started working and we was both on the second shift job and i'd make sure i scheduled every class i had for afternoon so we could hunt every night and we would go out we had young dogs and 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 we pushed them every night we 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 didn't hunt them all night every night but we hunted them regularly they never turned around i mean them dogs just got better and better and better uh and that's where i go back to in my opinion knowing the breeding behind them dogs what's that dog going to be able to to handle and so forth. So uh, yeah. I've seen it go both ways.
2: And also uh, along with that, I'd like to say that uh, we wouldn't, t- we wouldn't cut those dogs to 12 o'clock at night in the wintertime. Uh Pleasure hunters, they cut it dark and they're done. And you see a lot of dogs that's hunted right at dark or hour after dark to Nine thirty, ten o'clock, depending on where you live at, and then they're done with that dog for that night. Well, the prime time was already over with when we cut the dog loose. And we would, we expected them dogs to tree a coon every night that we went. It wasn't, are we going to tree a coon? Can we tree a coon? We expected that dog to tree coon every night we went in the woods. So, uh, and that goes back to like competition style uh now competition hunters they don't stop at nine o'clock they don't stop stop at nine thirty. they don't make a drop or two or three or two but you get in a you get in a late round you got to have something that can, that can trip a, a rougher colder track and that sets
1: your uh i call them elite handlers far as from your local handlers you know you mm-hmm. you go out there and you hunt your local hunt you know you're in by back home at 10 o'clock but you're getting your elite handlers what, what, what time of night are they competing for the $100,000? Two o'clock in the morning. That's when that final check is on the line.
3: That's right. Well, now, also, I mean, in, in my lifetime, uh, when we were younger, you didn't have really late rounds. I mean, it's, that's evolved. Yeah. Um, and now, like you said, if you're getting into these bigger money hunts, there's going to be a late round. Oh yeah. Uh, you better have your dog ready for that. And that's like, you know, we got there's one been
1: countless times. You see dogs just fall apart in late round due to Stanama and they can't run them the late round track. Oh, track.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Now we've got the one friend up in Kentucky and that we've talked to him several times and that's how he did. He, he, he was a, he was a competition hunter. He focused on PKC money hunts, uh, where that late round is part of it. So he got his dogs ready for it. And what he told Johnny and I, he said, uh, you bet if I win the early round and we, go, and we go in and they want to start splitting money, that ain't happening with him. He said, we're going to hunt. He goes, he's, he's, he's prepared. He's like, I know what my dog's going to do at 2 in the morning, and that's he's going to force that, force that issue. That's,
4: that's where he's conditioning for that. Yeah. He, he gets so, out there at nighttime and runs them dogs at 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning. He's not pulling them out When that frost drops, that dog's got to be able to learn how to handle that track. In it.
1: Mm-hmm. What about most dogs? I mean, you so-called, they're clocking in at 7 o'clock. They're clocking out at 10. The late-round dogs, they're clocking in at 11, and they're clocking out at 2 or 3 in the morning. hmm That's right. Yep.
2: Well, even, I mean, we've, we've been talking about a lot of uh, money hunts and stuff like that. Even the UKC hunts nowadays have got a double. They've got a double. Double-headers. Double-headers in a lot of them, and a lot of them won't kick off to 12, 1 o'clock at night.
3: Same as late-round. Same thing. How many them double-headers
1: you see no coons scored on late-round? A lot.
3: Well, I mean, a lot of people talks about. I don't like the new format, the one hour format hunts or whatever. Uh, I get both sides of it, but I'll tell you from experience, going to them January, February, and you roll in off that early round, and you're done. You know, deadline's what, twelve? Yeah. And then we got to sit there till one o'clock before we get ready to go back out. Uh, it may be one hour to go hunt, but that's a tough one hour of hunting in, in well, Tennessee. I mean, you,
1: yeah, you mean you take ours? We got the boars are rutting right now. But then you take a six-hour old
3: rutting board track. It takes yeah. a flat running dog to do that thing in to work that track. But yeah. I, I think that's part of a big part of that training uh, segment that you you was talking about. You have got to prepare for all of those situations, and and those are things that that's just the way competition hunting is now. You want a competition hunt? That's what the format's going to be, and you got to be ready to go out and do those one o'clock, two o'clock type hunts. So, but you're going to have to train those dogs for that. Yeah, I agree. And
1: I uh, guess right there, we'll take a quick, quick short break and we'll do a sponsorship uh, segment and we'll get back, back in these questions.
0: Coon Hunting Media is proudly sponsored by Little T Squallers. of the words every competition hunter loves to hear. Your winning coon has just been found. Little T Squatters, owned and designed by Tim Tempton has set the bar for high quality, dependable, and unmatched performance. From pleasure hunters to extreme competitors, he covers it all with his five elite models. Original Little T, the Triple Threat, the Double Shot, the Pro Series, and the newly designed bell ringer if you want to enter the woods with confidence contact his office at four two three five six two five three 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 and become
3: elite all right everybody we're back uh after our little segment over the sponsors uh we'll we'll lighten the load for just a second and talk about something funny so competition hunting and pleasure hunting there is they're two totally different animals Competition is stressful, boys. Getting ready for it's stressful. It can be. Stacy has a hard time. I mean, he Stacy can't remember anything. He always leaves something. He calls me all the time, tells me he forgot something. He's like Dory off of Finding Nemo. So I, said, so why I have to remember everything I carry. <laughs> uh, you wouldn't believe how many tools he's bought because I borrow one, and he won't come out my house and get it, and his, I'll just go buy another one. So he does that. So I end up with a lot oh, of good big stuff money over there. So so let's let. Tell them how stressful competition hunting is. There's a checklist you gotta have every time you go. You gotta make sure you got everything. So give us a rundown about one from years ago.
4: Well, it's, it's been many years ago. I was going to hunt in Crossville, Tennessee. And I I'd run late, got off work, a you all, you're, you're always running late. Where are you? I'm, al- I'm always on time. I'm the early bird. On time on your own of time. On your own. Johnny's time table. the late one. Johnny's a <laughs> late one, Jason. They're always late. Johnny, I'm up? the morning person. Yeah, quick on that. So <laughs> me and Johnny was heading to the
1: pro sport. Uh, I guess it was uh, last night. I told him to beat my house at two o'clock. Was actually going to leave at two thirty, but I knew if I told you two o'clock, you beat my house at two thirty. What time did you roll in? Two thirty.
2: Two fifteen.
1: No, no, no. It was two oh, thirty. Well, by no. the time you got your boots out and he got his all of his
3: gear, it was two thirty. So, so tell us, so so, nice. Carry on. What all you have to take to a competition? What do you got to have? There's,
4: track and system back then is my wildlife.
1: You had to have that. My what's life. the What's the first thing you you need in a competition to hunt?
3: My good looks. Oh my but, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not like, talking about something to get you scratched. My dog. You got to have a dog, right? Got a dog. You're gonna go compete with a dog. That's right. Uh, so this hunt was at Crossville, It's about that's about 30 minutes. Luckily, uh, so so put it in perspective. You jumped in the truck.
4: I got off work. I come home, grab my hunt stuff. Load everything up, throw dog box in. Well, you loaded not everything up. No, no. Most of it. Most of the Most of it. Most, most of the stuff so that were... I needed, I thought.
3: So you got to the hunt and. Stopped, got gas and motory and hit the road. And you made good time? You was good there time. I was there a few
4: minutes before the hunt started. I was good to go. You was early? I was early. You wow. get signed,
3: did you go in and get signed up? I mean, how got, many times have I had to sign I, you up?
4: Hey, I'm running late. Sign my dog in. It happened. I got signed up. I was ready to hunt. I had no dog. Where was the dog at? So, in the house. So when did you find out? Was it like at the what club? You, or When, when it, I started to call her up. At the woods? At the clubhouse. Oh. So then we put them, we had them on a beep-beep system. So I put my collar on, we left the clubhouse. I didn't carry my unit in the woods. And there's no dog to get out of the dog box.
3: Did you... Imagine! imagine what like he thought day. about There he wasn't no cell phone. Imagine I what was running through his head
4: when he opened, dropped the tailgate. There's not a dog in there.
3: Did you just have to? Uh, did you just have to call it good and go home for the night, or did you go get your dog?
4: No, I found a reason to go home. What I've been worried about <laughs> is if this thing jumped out going on the highway. No, I had dog box.
1: Well,
3: I know a dog
4: box. Dog box closed.
3: No, he he realized by that point it was a typical Stacy move. He was uh, he was at the Stacey house. Move. He was at the house. Well. Can't but now anytime
1: we're going trips, now it's like he's packing for a two weeks long safari hunt or something.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, I, <laughs>
4: he, he makes sure not to forget nothing. I try not to carry now. two of everything now. Take <laughs> <So, laughs> like every, two dogs,
1: everything but all the I he's carrying his two brain cells.
3: Yeah, they work though. <laughs> so <laughs> right, yeah, that's, that's uh-huh. just one of many one of many episodes where that kind of thing has happened to us in the past. So let's jump back into our our conversation of competition versus pleasure dog versus uh some training questions because they kind of go hand in hand uh last thing that i was talking about a minute ago is you know got down to where pleasure hunters enjoy hunting with their buddies and they hunt a couple dogs together and uh, another thing that i talked about on there because we we talked about how that competition dog uh we want that dog to blow through the country pick a track that it can get treed quick and go for and get it done fast Uh, the pleasure hunters in in my opinion they don't mind if a dog uh they kind of want that dog to still blow out they don't mind if that dog's checking back in uh go hunt that area out check back in with them but uh they enjoy watching a dog take a track as they get it and they want that dog to work that track out and they want that dog to show them a coon at the end of that track but uh my opinion on that too is i think pleasure hunters still have an expectation for them dogs or or of course or we always have Uh, I want that pleasure dog – I don't want that dog to sit here and grub a track all night. Uh, our expectation always was for a pleasure dog, when they hit that track, they hit, they work that track out and they get, it, they get it moved on and they do their thing with it. They're not sitting here all night in one spot. We've had some of those, and that makes you mad. <laughs> you don't want to be going to them dogs. Two hours in
4: a yeah, They field.
3: don't. they don't eat our dog food long. No.
4: No. Nothing to my dog food very long, though. Yeah, that's
1: another thing. How many dogs stays in your kennel more than six months?
4: Hey, if I can make money on it, I'm gonna sell it. <laughs> Just how it is.
1: What's the record on how long you've kept a dog? Like really and truly, what's the record?
4: Probably my dozer though.
3: Him? He yeah, he kept him, him. He kept him longer. Him two a, I liked him. Was it that? Was it two years? Almost two years. He had him almost two years. That's, I, a, I was, that's yeah. a record. If he was, had,
4: r- if he didn't have lime, I would have kept him longer. I liked him. That's impressive. The rest of them, I don't know, a few months. <laughs> If that bring them home, cut them this one time. Call the owner
1: back. Said now, take them back. <laughs>
3: but that's uh, you know we was talking about them dogs that uh, competition. They they get out there and they can they can cover so much or they will cover so much ground at one time. Uh, a lot of times, and we've talked about that already. That pleasure hunter, he don't or she don't have time for that dog to blow one or two miles deep because they're they're just going for a quick hunt through the week. And they've got to get back and get up and go to work the next morning. So they don't want to be out there all night walking to the tree. You know, they, they want yeah. to, they'd they rather that dog not go and get treated and be able to get that dog back. Yeah.
4: I agree. And like me, I said, I don't keep dogs long, but usually you know, I catch my dogs in here. I'll get them night champion and I sell them. I go something else. I just like to get them championed out. But I can't. Well, but make a
1: few dollars on Yeah. yeah. But
4: I can't afford to have a dog grill me all night long and not get anything done working like we do.
1: Yeah, well, that comes into like another listener question we had was different styles of hounds. Correct. They're different styles.
4: They are. And like I said, I know about
1: all of us, we've, we're kind of the same, but we also got a yeah, little different I mean, styles than we like. My
4: personal opinion, this is my opinion, I like a dog going to get deep and get treed and have a coon. I like an accurate dog. Accuracy is a big thing to me. I will sacrifice a little bit of speed for accuracy. Yeah. As long as it gets somewhere and does something right. I like can stand for a dog to hang up on a track at a time. Our dogs. I don't sell tugging hunt. I walk my dogs. I cut them. I follow my dogs. I want to see what that. I try to see what that dog's doing on that track all the time. I'm close enough. I can watch what's doing. I hear what's doing without disturbing the dog. I yeah. want to be there. I want to know what's going on. Like what correction I need to make.
1: Yeah, that's another thing. Like you mentioned, accuracy. When you look at the different levels of competition, especially the big, big money hunts. You don't see a lot of them dogs missing. Accuracy is a big thing because, well, you know, you're not going to win unless you got a tree. You Got to have it. When I mean, you got to have. A lot of them hunts, you make one mistake, you're out. I mean, because them dogs, and that's another thing on winning hunts is limiting mistakes.
4: Correct. You know, when it, young dogs, I can deal with the not accurate part. Yeah, that's something I can work on. I can go from there with it. But the older dogs, like I said, I get if I pick a trade dog up here, four or five year old, and not champing out, that dog's got to be accurate. Yeah. Because I can't. I can't run the road every weekend trying to hit hunt if I keep treating coons. Yeah. And around here, I mean, for an accurate dog, I mean, walking around to the trees and stuff, you get aggravated walking to slick trees and stuff all the time. You want your dog, you walk to a tree to have a coon.
1: Nothing's yeah. worse than 1.5 miles to
3: a slick. Well, speaking of some of those dogs, and, and that's one of the one of the things I'll remember. Stacy had one, and he, he ended up being a pretty good dog and he won some big hunts with him, but the few times that I pleasure hunted him, he was a die-hard competition dog, mile deep every time, and the first two trips I went hunting with him, walked to a possum every time. And I was I was like, you need to sell this dog. That's the one time I encouraged him to sell that dog.
4: That dog brought good money, though.
3: <laughs> but that was, and I don't get it. It's, he was one of those dogs that you put him in competition, it was like he was and coons left and right, but every time I took him pleasure hunting, that was just not the yeah. case. I mean, my, my
1: preferred, I guess, style, be alone for one, unless one is covered. If, if if he's on a dog, a tree with the dog, I want it because that dog covered him. I don't want one going to him. But another thing is on a strike dog. I like a good a good strike dog, but it's got to be honest. I do not like bavlers because I like to
3: know when my dog barks, I he's running him. a coon.
4: That's right. I don't like a babbler.
3: No, I mean – you boys—that comes into another thing. Like you, you boys are getting into another question. We got a whole segment on that part, don't we? <laughs> oh man, <laughs> yeah, that's true. But the uh, what I was talking
1: about was like strike yeah. points. I like I like the seventy-five and hundred. So like my preferred style is strike that first track they come to because normally about most places you can strike a track pretty quick and about anywhere where we hunt. But maybe you won't always tree that track. I like one to hit that track, strike it. Run it for a minute or two, and if they can't move that track on, what I call pack their bags and move on. But you've established that strike. I mean, you're you got three other dogs in there. They're going to keep that strike open majority mm-hmm. of the time. Most
4: time. Most time. They, but they, I like my dog to pull him. when he pulling a strike. I like a dog to be a legitimate strike dog. I want him. To, I don't want him hitting the first cold, cold smelly sign of hits. I want him to go with that track.
3: Now you boys was talking about those uh, differences. You boys keep jumping around. You're, you're, you're on something that I, I, I think we could sit and talk about for Stacy's on a trampoline. Yeah, I yeah. think we could talk two hours about that strike dog, and I want, I'd want. i like to talk some more about that in a minute too. But uh, get back to that competition and pleasure dog. I'm going to tell you what I, I, would like, I like, and then you guys can agree or disagree on that. My pick dog is somewhere in the middle of everything we've talked about in this first part of the segment of a competition dog and a pleasure dog. And when I say that uh, – this dog uh, that's somewhere in the middle they may they may or may not win every big big hunt but they're going to win a big majority of the hunts that they're in if you take them to town uh and they have the capability of winning that bigger hunt because the other thing is that that pleasure dog they also have a good handle on them dogs uh but when i talk about that dog it's somewhere in the middle that's still going to be that dog that uh when you say handle what do you what do you mean handle like getting the back or the way that dog handles just in general a pleasure hunter expects a better a better handler on a dog i think than what we will we'll, we'll, call them back and stuff yeah everything handle as far yeah. as that dog gets in there uh they'll have that dog trained uh i need that dog to stop and come back they'll they'll tone that dog not not shock it they just they can just tone that dog and that dog stopping and i've seen dogs i've hunted with people that had dogs tree a across the river and they could just hit a hit the beep on that dog and that dog come right back to them. Uh most of our dogs that we're we're pushing straight competition on, they won't do that. They're they're sitting there. Yeah, right? and I'll I'll go on that. I've seen a lot in the competitions,
1: just the least little thing goes wrong, that dog shuts down. But a lot of them. Maybe, I mean, I know Absolutely. you've seen that. And you Definitely. say, Is that dog tone broke? Yeah, I've got him I've got him tone broke, he'll come right to me, all of a sudden that dog's walking with you for the rest of the night. Mm-hmm. Just off the slightest thing, because he thinks he's in trouble.
4: We run across that issue this week <clears throat> with a female of ours. She oh, with just, the malfunction collar. She was shutting down. The wood is shutting down. Couldn't figure out what it was, and kind of find out. I had him change collars on her, and the collar is malfunctioning, toning
3: her. She's shutting down. So, so that on that point, that's a good. That's our little segment. We'll throw in there to uh, always be aware of your dog and knowing everything. But I think that's a that's a very important part of it pleasure dog competition dog you know that dog inside out you know what that dog's going to do you know how that dog operates and uh, you boys went hunting that first night and I didn't get to go come back and tell me what the dog did and I said that's not that dog I mean this is this is a dog we we went to the top 100 of the world with she don't operate that way something's not right and you even questioned it in the woods like did something happen by accident and I'm like that's that sounds like a tone issue on her something's wrong and then Hudson goes hunting the very next night and she does the same thing i mean to the point that i'm getting nervous that there's something physically wrong with it and i scheduled a vet appointment to go run some tests and make sure there was nothing nothing wrong with the dog uh so we we changed collars out and she's the same old dog she always was It's blow in there get treat have a coon uh and then stacy done some investigation and what'd you find out i mean and, and it's the collar the collar, they thought it was the collar, short. Yeah, this out. is good information for all the listeners too. And the
4: reason that I say it's part of because knowing your dog, stand with your dog, you know what's doing. When they tell me what she was doing when they got to her,
3: that's the first thing you said. You said it right off. I
4: know something was wrong. It's just it's how she tones. When we tone her, she stops. She'll wait to get there. She'd wag her tail when you get there. She come on. She's happy. Go lucky. When he got to her, she was sitting there waiting on him. Wagging her tail. he said.
1: Yeah, I noticed that when I walked to her, she's wagging her tail. Yeah, she's like, ready. And she's there and I, ain't nothing and wrong with her. I, but
4: that's that why i making phone calls, and they said it don't happen much, but it's not like a collar short enough
3: Because we what we've we had that conclusion of we had that collar quit tracking on us, and this is uh, this is a collar that's like a year old. So uh, knowing that knowing that dog let was us that know that collar what,
4: made on third shift
3: probably it was refurbished. On, a, on a Wednesday. We <laughs> refurbished third shift collars. It was a
4: refurbished collar. We bought some refurbished collars.
3: But that collar though messed up on us on, on that trip we went Illinois. to, Illinois, quit tracking. Uh, then Hudson came in the other night, and he goes, man, this collar, you can't even hear it beep. And you take a you know, brand-new collar and you turn it on, and you can hear that beep across the room. You had to hold the collar right up to your ear to even hear it coming on or going off. And so it, had, what, it probably had a wire shortened out There's a wire there. shorted out, and that's what they told him. Stacy actually talked to uh, an, one of the tech guys at Conkey's Outdoors, and he said, that collar has probably got a short in it. And he said – I don't want to tell you that, he said, but if it's malfunctioning, more than likely it's actually shocking the dog too. Uh mm. so that's that's something that uh, Luckily
1: it was on a possibly, possibly
3: Possibly, possibly, possibly dog, yeah. could be shocking or vibrating her. But we we know we got two nights in a row of that and then Hudson put a different collar on her and she's the same dog she always is.
4: She went a mile on trade a coon in eight minutes.
3: So yeah, that's uh that's how she operates. Uh so uh that's one thing to 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 know your dogs inside out and then you'll know when something's not right, you know if it's right or not right. Uh, you, you, Cause you know how them dogs operate. So uh, back on that, on that, that dog is somewhere in the middle. Uh, my opinion on that, that pleasure dog competition dog that can do both. I, I still think that dog is going to be a blowout style dog. Cause I, I don't even pleasure hunting with, if we all go hunting, I don't want my dog just standing there at my feet. I want it to still cast out and go uh, like it, like we expect them dogs to on a competition hunt. But the difference in that, where I say that dog somewhere in the middle, what I think that dog does is uh, that's the dog that starts hunting immediately. They're not blowing out a mile. They're blowing out, but they're starting to go hunting as soon as they get out there. And uh, what I've seen happen over and over and over in competition hunts is that's the dog that's tree and coons left and right behind the blowout dogs. You talked about it earlier. That'll win a lot of times. There is going to be times that uh, there, if that other dog gets treed in front of them, and ties a bunch of time up can mess you up, but that dog will tree a bunch of coons on them dogs in between. Yeah, and like I was talking about the competitions. The big thing I've seen, especially in the money hunts,
1: is uh, getting treed first is a big thing. Because everybody, especially when you get in the higher entries, everybody's going to be alone. So uh, being the first one treed means you're the first one gets to get scored, and uh, you get to get cut back loose. Mm-hmm. i mean not just the first one tree but the, even the second one because everybody's going to be split and everybody's going to get treed fairly quick so uh first one treed you score you you get to recut and you get to be running and training your second king while everybody else is training their first king that's talks about the speed part of getting
3: treed i guess mm-hmm. you could say what what what's your thoughts johnny on on the type of dog yeah, I, been, I like He's that, been quiet over there well um, i mean <clears throat> he's got something boiling inside.
2: i agree with the same thing uh I don't, I mean, I want them to go as deep as they got to go. Uh, but I still don't mind them, the tree cones around me, if it's good tracks that they can handle. And sometimes uh, when you cast them like that, some dogs, uh, even though there is a good track right in front of them, they're going to go, they're still going to blow out and, uh, and get through there. But uh, another thing I, I thought about a uh, Pleasure Hunter is the accuracy part versus a, competition dog, which I know competition dogs are accuracy too, but how many times will a pleasure dog circle a tree before it commits mm-hmm. versus a competition dog that runs the track in there, that knows what it's doing, and is a one bark tree dog, and I and, and I I love a dog like it. And
1: that comes into a lot of the uh, speed over accuracy, a lot of times, you know, I could now... You got rutting boards, They're t- they checking trees and going on. But <clears throat> you get in situations where the dog checks herself, and that dog has to do it quick. One will go on when a lot of dogs slam that tree right there. But then you get another situation, like kitten coon season. They go in there and one bark tree dog slam that tree, and the dog that checked itself just got beat on that tree.
4: Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that comes back into a lot of the breeding of knowing what you're breeding. Yeah, yeah. Of of crossing stud and of what they're throwing, what your dog to throwing, the backgrounds pulling of them you know accuracy to speed how they tree and me I
1: will, I will sacrifice a, a little accuracy for a little more speed just for the style of hunts i like to hunt i'd rather have a 75 percent accurate dog that's a one bark tree dog than an 85 percent accurate dog that checks itself on every tree that's just that's just me because you're mm-hmm. gonna win more than you're gonna lose as far as in my opinion that way
3: yeah on the competition side you you don't mind that dog that's willing to gamble occasionally uh, Sometimes you need a gambler, especially look, with the leaves on. Yeah, because that, that dog – well, the dog, whoever's got that dog that will gamble a little bit in the cast is probably going to be the one that gets that tree that counts. Yeah. Uh, because, like I said, while your, your dog's checking and you're just about to do it, that other guy is standing right beside of you waiting for that one bark tree dog, and the second it opens its mouth, he he just booked it on you. Yeah. And you're just sitting here scratching your head like, my no dog that. just treed that coon. You want, go to
1: that, you want to go on one of them stories? <laughs> we, was on a, we was on a cast one night, and we didn't know. We drew three dead silent dogs. Dead. Every one dead, of them was dead silent. Silent. They do not say nothing on the ground. Will rip. To,
2: the, to the point to where when Rip struck, every time that he would open, the judge would say six minutes. Just as soon as he, that he, bark knew, stopped, he knew everybody in that cast was dead silent. He was hitting the clock, and it's he's like, like, keep her working, make you uh, work. And he'd say, broke. He just as soon as the Bark was over with six, six minutes, broke. Well, to make a long story short, he, well, we, it wasn't that long. We, I mean, but, we
1: ran a track for, what, five minutes? What, about six, 700 yards, if
2: that? Yeah, and then just, anyway, this other dog. And he kind of half-located. This dog located one time, which he double-locates, and when he comes on, he double-locates and rolls right over. He gave one locate, this other dog said, oh, oh, and he struck and treated her that fast.
1: Before before our dog could get their second locate. Before he got his second locate. he's one of them dogs, you, you book him on the second locate, never on the first. And he made one locate. I'm like, yep, give me one more. You'll be on the car about that time. Strike and treat me right there. I'm like, oh, my Lord.
2: He struck the track. I mean, she may, he or she, which I'm going to tell you what kind of dog it was. Uh, he or she may have run that whole track. I don't know. I didn't have the regardment. But I'm telling you, it just wham, bam, and it was done. And I was like, oh, my yeah, god, you heard, got to be like, kidding me.
1: It's like they just stole my wallet in my back pocket, <laughs> took the money out and put it right back in my pocket. I didn't even know what happened.
3: But now on that uh, that type of dog, one of the other things that I had uh, thought about with that is uh, you can train pups with that kind of dog more so than you can train a pup with that dog that's just blowing out there. Uh, but more so, even in the training, of the pups is you younger hunters. Uh, we strive for the dog we've described because of the competition side, but trying to get younger people or our kids or whatever into to a hunting trip or into the sport, that dog can burn them out uh, more so. Especially where we live. Yeah, where we live because, you know. There's no driving the trees. Yeah, when you got them kids that want to go hunting, and we know before we ever go we're going to be walking a mile to a tree or whatever and doing it fast. That that may really burn them out, and you may not get that second chance that while well, they're like, I don't like this, and and it's because of the style of dog. So uh, part of that is kind of know what kind of dogs you're taking when you're when you're trying to get these kids into going hunting with you and so forth too.
2: Well, I mean, like you said, puppies. Uh, you can you can cut an old dog that's a, a get by self get tree dog, and you turn a pup loose loose with it. It's trying to get away from that pup, and that it ain't trying to help A lot of
1: dogs being silent. Them dogs are smart. If a dog wants to be by himself, a lot of times you'll see that dog shut his mouth. Shut up and move. Mm-hmm. And get on. I mean, they still may be running a track. And they, they, a lot of them dogs turn from a 90-bar-a-minute-tree dog to a 50-bar-a-minute-tree dog because they don't like to be with another dog. And they know. They say, hey, if I make a lot of noise, all of a sudden here's two other dogs with me.
2: Mm-hmm. Going to draw attention. But yeah. like I said, but a dog like that, how are you going to train a young dog? with something like that because you ain't it ain't never gonna what you gonna do run the dog the whole time i mean well that uh, comes into like
1: what he was talking about the breeding we breed for now natural natural dogs we hunt them by ourselves they naturally start running and training by themselves all the dogs we train now we don't we don't even need a young dog to train them I, all the dogs i trained for the public and even ours
2: we didn't train them with a the
1: young dog with the older dog
2: but there's aspects of that older dog that help them as far as hurt uh, help them the same way and hurt them the same, hurt them way. same way yeah it's, you can do yeah, either or
1: it's, it's either or but you can uh it's easier to start them with an older dog yeah and it's you, easier create, to you, get you can them create cool. habits that way
2: well you can but you can break some habits also mm-hmm. uh yeah as yeah, far but, as tracks and stuff but well then
4: as our coons are it's hard to start a young dog without the coons
2: when I, without uh, you without, can without
4: a good dog to help them start out
2: but uh, you can, you can do a... Uh...
3: Hey, let me let me interject you on a, on habits. Uh, I just thought of a story. So back when we was younger, uh, and Johnny was really getting into this with us, he got a young dog off dad, and uh, we got to work in... <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could see Johnny now. <laughs> we got to work in that dog, and Johnny got him what we would call tree happy. <laughs> he would tree. They, he was a tree and machine. You talk about that night down in the lake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, now, this man. dog went on to get fixed. Uh, we That problem got took care of, and he – like I said, I, I, I really think the dog ended up making uh, – I'm positive he did. He, he made it to the Plot Hall of Fame uh, later on with the owners that had him. But uh, Johnny got in a spot. He, he was ready to quit hunting for a little while. We was young. We was running around and having teenage years, and uh, he sold that dog back to my dad. Dad raised him. And <laughs> dad come home that, that night or the next morning was like, how do you do? He said, Well, I finally got to where I just turned the light off. I snuck into that dog 17 times (laughs) with a switch.
1: 17 trees. Yeah, he said that dog. East Tennessee.
3: He
4: said the last tree, it
3: was his last one. It was done. He said, I was done. And yeah, he did. Dad got to where he was, like Stacy's talking about, trying to stay up with the dog. Dad got to running into the dog with no light on and running him off the trees. But he, but now, like I said, you can fix those problems. But that that was Johnny's, uh, that was one of Johnny's first training experiences. So, if you want to send a dog to Johnny to train now, that's he's he's a whole lot better trainer than he was <laughs>
2: back well, then. Well, that's first dog I ever had. I didn't know nothing about it. You made, I just know good. Hey, keep looking up. for he sure. Done, he done a good job. I rub a hair off the side of him. <laughs> and I'm telling you, <laughs> I if, really you if you got like a truck and dog box. But now I, <laughs> I oh, man. I did. He did train seventeen times that night that night as the court cord- uh, Dale, and he's gonna tell you the truth but uh he's like why'd you have to but <laughs> the uh he had he has before dogs be hooked and i'd be competition hunting him before and he didn't locate and then boys look at me and say you want some of that and i say no i don't want none of that hook around 50 yards behind him and slam a cone
1: and have it there ain't nothing just- better on competition than them dogs whamity bam bam tree your dog checks one time and going moves fifty yeah. yards, double locates.
3: You start yeah. walking in that well, tree high step. Like I said, we fixed that. We fixed that problem. That problem yeah. was fixed, and Johnny had a, he had done a really good job. Other than the hey, the these tree competition
1: play. squirrel hunters, they would have they <laughs> had jumped
3: right on that. You couldn't have counted the canes that that dog treated in his lifetime after that. But yeah, that was when he was Johnny was young. The dog was young, and he had him a tree dog in the house. He
2: was hey, he was uh, so much of a tree dog. One night I sat on a log, time my boot, and. We was down a spot, and Jason had another dog on leading it, and my dog of mine just went to blowing the top out of a tree. And Jason, said, you gonna need to whoop that dog, and I said, "What do you mean whoop that dog?" He said, "I listen to that. I don't want to listen to that." And I stood up off the where I got done tying my boot, looked up the tree, and about twenty yards away, there was set the coon. I said, "You big dummy! I'd have been whooping that dog on that coon."
3: That's that's true. That did happen.
1: Number one rule: If you got a dog that's tree happy, do not. Do not I repeat, rub that dog on a tree? <laughs> because what happens? Seventeen trees.
3: <laughs> that was
1: in Tennessee. Yeah,
3: that wasn't seventeen coons. It was seventeen trees. Oh yeah, That's seventeen <laughs>
0: trees. Tree so, hunting.
3: But anyway, so uh, you mentioned earlier, and we've been talking about the the solid. You mentioned solid and open track dogs. Let's 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 get into that a little bit more and, and talk about everybody's opinion on on that. I think we've already started a little bit on it i'm
1: kind of 50 50 on it i mean as far as i like an open dog because i like to know what they're doing i like them strike points but uh there's nothing better than you sit back in a cast and all them dogs are out there running next thing you hear is you got me through their strike and tree i mean they're they <clears throat> cast members go ballistics but at the same point you're 25 and 100 instead of 75 and 100 mm-hmm. so 125 oh sorry
3: and one of the things I thought about that Mister you know It all over here we'll we'll have to probably cut this thing short we're probably about to run out of use the amount of time we wanted to do for it but everybody today want seems to want that first strike dog and I think Stacy hit it just a minute ago uh that's where you get a lot of dogs babbling and uh I don't like that I don't think nobody sitting here at the table likes to hear a babbling dog so uh to me A dog that's barking needs to be showing progress on what they're barking at. I want a dog that's going to strike when they smell a coon. I would rather – I'll take that dog that takes – I want that first strike, but I'll take that dog that has that second strike or third strike and it be legit over the the babbling dog all day because we're after that first tree. Pleasure hunting, I'm with you. But really deep down and truly, if I had a babbler –
1: that was an automatic hunting strike, <laughs> You're the, but with tree coons left and right, yeah, I'd have it on my lead every every time. I
2: can't stand it. I can't stand no. it. I just don't put it Hey, he, he could be saying that while I'm happily <laughs> walking well, to the bank, the, and, and no, I'm like I can't Johnny. Stand
3: it. Uh, that's where I can't get past it from the from the. But breeder.
1: no, it'd have to be a coon trainer. I mean, it's going to have to be a coon trainer, but I'll snap
2: the lead and strike it. I can't stand that. I, I don't want one I, all over the country. I can't stand that. Hunter. I can't stand that. <laughs> It's that's uh, just me, I, I, and that's what 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 what's a pleasure for you to hunt. One that leaves the end of my lead babbling and babbling' like, and, that's, and that's carrying on. That's not the thing I was going to go into. It's not a pleasure, but, uh, pleasure for you hunt,
1: to hunt. Pleasure hunt. I don't like it. No, I don't, no. I don't know if it's running a but when I cut loose in a cast, do I really care if it leaves running a no
3: well, that, that's a, really. that, That's back to that pleasure hunter versus competition that's,
1: hunter. That's your that's people's styles yeah. of hunting. Whatever you like, yeah. really.
3: If we go pleasure hunting, you bring and Kyle brings that dog about two trips in. I'm going to tell Kyle you can go. That that dog is not coming with us. Yeah, I don't want no a, part of it.
2: It's a pleasure for me to hunt. Uh, wh- whether I'm pleasure hunting or competition, I'm going to hunt. What it's a pleasure for me to your hunt. Style. My style. Well, dog. Uh, but I don't. I don't, we ain't got I no babblers right it. now, but I'll no, tell
3: you though if I have one, well, it
2: sounds I like this,
1: the
3: cast. It sounds like Kyle's gonna go looking for one of them type of dogs. <laughs> I help you find one. So <laughs> thanks, bud. But I got you. Well, another thing I think about that, and and Johnny and I, we 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 had the one dog, and that's how he operated. He was not a first strike dog. He got a first strike every once in a while. But what I've seen now, those dogs that are, if they know how to run track, and, that, and that's that, all goes back to how you how's that dog bred? You know the breeding behind it. How was that dog trained? The, them dogs that are a true opener mouth, when they smell the track they can run, they're typically getting that first tree anyways because they can burn it up and go with it. They're, the dog that's getting them babble uh, strikes is not typically the dog that's getting that first tree. That dog's getting in there and getting tree. A lot
4: of times it's babbling because they're trying to
3: catch up. Especially in the locals. Yeah, in the locals. Yeah, in the local hunts. Yeah, yeah. But now, uh, I don't like a dead silent dog, but uh, we just all talked about it. That dead silent dog is... Uh, is gonna be the one that treats the most coons too though. That they're gonna beat you on, on if you're going out and you're just taking numbers on how many dogs that how many coons that dog can treat. Yeah, i take the dead silent. That dead silent dog's gonna he's gonna eat your lunch or, yeah, he's, every time.
2: And he's not gonna draw a lot of attention to himself. That's a that's a big thing about uh, and and some of the local hunts and this and that and other, he ain't gonna draw a whole lot of attention.
1: Well that's what I've noticed, like in the recent cast that we've been in. this one dog will go over and tree and no dog will be with it it didn't have a real big mouth. And you know, everybody knows the dogs that we're hunting right now, they're, they're known for big mouths. Mm-hmm. I'd be over a tree. All of a sudden every dog in the cast with me, just because of that big mouth drawing them in and a hard tree hear, dog draws mm-hmm. them in. Yeah.
3: So my pick on that, I am going to always, my personal opinion, I want that dog, uh, the hound that's going to open their mouth only when they, uh, they hit a track. And the thing about those dogs, we know how they're bred. We kind of know what they can do. Uh, that dog's opening in its mouth, it knows it that dog knows it can run that track uh it it's 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 it can run a bad track, but it can move it pretty quick and uh I'll take it I'll take it where it's at whether that means I got first strike or second strike' cause I want to get that first tree I want that dog to get a sign it can run I want it to run it like it's running a deer, and I want it to load up quick as possible,
2: yeah, and another thing I say like say some of the older guys they talk about a drifting style dog. Well, nowadays, if you have a true drifting style dog and they go through and they get struck, and say they do strike a track under a minute, and they put 300 yards between the time they open to their next bark, you're going to get minus because that dog didn't carry that track out. Well, I mean, how does that judge know my the characteristics of my dog? If my dog gets struck at 45 seconds and it... He turns right hand and goes three hundred yards before he barks again, and he barks another time at seven hundred yards. And the next time he's at eight tenths, and he's loading on a tree. How does that judge know that? I mean, he don't know the characteristics of my dog, and I that I like I don't mind the dog. I like the dog to get struck too, but I like him to put distance between the barks. So I got a little female the other night. She she struck at about three fifty, struck again at 700, 950, crossed the highway, and bam, loaded up, and she was eight tenths of a mile. And four barks. So, how could, do they you know that? You can tell
1: in the garment she's running a track. she ain't. She's oh, yeah. not straight lining. I mean, you, she's running a track, but she's... And it's, that's another thing I like not sitting a lot on the ground because they can move a lot faster whenever they've got their mouth closed. They can re- mm-hmm. When they're putting distance between their barks, you notice their speed goes up dramatically.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, or, I mean, like that Jason told that one dog that we had, he would get struck sometimes. And... Uh, other dogs would be wallowing and wallowing and wallowing. He'd just shut up. Next time you hear him, he's 600 yards. And I done took it away from him and gone with it. And then.
1: And that's another thing we, we go back to about knowing your dog. When you're in a cast, when your dog barks under the minute, you know it struck a coon, but sometimes you are, you're just going to have to eat it and not strike him because you know you're going to get minus because he,
4: he's a drifter. He, mm-hmm. he puts this between his barks. It's the way they run, though. you got to know your dogs.
3: Yeah, and that, that's me. I, I, I like you know I get excited with a young dog or whatever when they have uh they have the ability to uh, hit that track and get it tree quick and because competition and pleasure hunting bragging rights comes into play and that's it, it, you know when you and your buddies go out hunting yeah you, you're not bragging about you're not bragging about who uh, treat the coon or struck the coon first what's everybody want to do they want to get the first tree uh, whether we're uh, in a competition hunt that's what wins the hunt and if we're pleasure hunting that's where I get it. you know, shrug you on the shoulder and say, I got you on that one.
2: Oh, yeah. I just soon to be honest with you, I just soon take third strike and first tree on everything because you can't beat me. I saw on a, the first tiebreaker in UKC or whatever is most plus three points. If I'm sitting at 125 every time, you can't beat me because you, if you have taken first strike and second tree or something like that, if they're backing, I mean, they got, they have to be by themselves, but I take third strike and first tree. That's maybe
1: my personal preference I have to have a first tree dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They got they got to have first tree. I mean, if you're going to strike a track with another dog, they better have first tree.
4: That's
3: right. And I, and I think like we said a minute ago, I think that's where competition hunters and pleasure hunters are. Like I said, they're all in the same. Everybody wants that first tree dog. Like that's I said, if right. we all go hunting, I want to beat you on the tree just to rub it in the rest of the night. I'm going to tell you, beat your team with. I know every time, every time.
4: <laughs> call I can. You won't hear it.
3: Yeah, <laughs> all night and the next day. So, even in a pleasure hunt, yeah, that's right. It, it, is that about all we got time to cover tonight yeah we're running on
1: here a little over an hour we got a, a few more questions i guess we'll probably have to make this into a part two yeah have a have another part two segment but uh
3: so hopefully in between this and then maybe a part two we'll get uh some interviews going on and that's uh yeah, i'm looking forward some to uh, some of those
1: some wicked weather for tennessee these past how many inches of snow we have eight 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 third day how long did it stay on the ground seven days
3: yeah and, and it's pretty much sub-zero, states, temperatures. sub-zero temperatures for the whole time so that's uh we're looking forward to getting out and Fine. seeing some people so we'll we'll be at the winter classic coming up uh two what two weeks now yeah this About, episode yeah, this episode
1: aired before the winter classics and so and we'll, we'll be down some, there to got some views lined
3: up while we're there and, and we'll uh, be down
1: there on the on the ground floor in the booth so
4: we'll have a few little items with this yeah selling. a
1: few lights uh, squalors, and, uh Hoping some hoodies and maybe some shirts.
4: Maybe find some dogs to so. sell.
1: Dogs. Stacy's always, <laughs> always got a dog Stacey to sell. Stacey will
3: be out there in the back barn trading dogs. <laughs> find your dog box.
4: We'll find something to sell for you.
1: And uh, one more thing is uh, actually a big announcement. I don't know if you all follow our Facebook page, but uh, Outlaw and Dakota Lights has now joined Coon Hunt Media as the official light sponsors. So uh, Glenn Allen Roberts with Outlaw and uh, Hoop and Tater Franklin with uh, Dakota as became the uh, official light sponsor of uh, Coon Hunt Media.
4: And this is nothing new for our lights for us. We have six of these lights between us now. Yeah. Well, we've we've, so su- we, we've supported them for. We use them everything from coon hunting to fishing to feeding to anything we do outside. Yeah. Very, very,
1: very high quality lights and uh, very dependable. But uh,
4: I guess and that's it for this. Anybody that listens to this podcast, reach out to us. If you got any questions, yeah. ideas you want to discuss?
1: Contact any of us. You can uh,
4: hit our Facebook page reach out to us we'll be more than happy to
1: you can even uh, email the uh, media page at uh, Media at uh, gmail.com so uh, any questions or anything you want to send us we love
3: it, hearing feedback shoot us email. yeah and thanks thanks for uh, the all over, the support yeah, yeah we was not expecting unbelievable. this unbelievable so thank you very much
1: but uh, we'll tune back in on uh, I guess we about beat these beat these questions to death
3: with we a had. baseball bat we did but uh,
1: we got a few more on the list but I guess we'll make this in a part two segment
4: But uh, I'm
3: signing out (laughs) You're signing out (laughs) Thanks everybody You You signing signing out
1: Johnny
4: Thank you All
2: right